Hi everyone, welcome to the Don't Tell God podcast. Uh, my name is Alicia and I'm actually the host of this podcast. Now, if this is your first time listening, the purpose of this podcast is to allow pastors and leaders and followers of Jesus a platform to be genuine and open about their life, ministry and faith. On today's episode, we actually have Jasmine and uh, Jasmine I've known for a couple of years and uh, she is the regional coordinator for Scripture Union. And uh, we have a really, uh, yeah, really good chat in regards to ministry and a couple of things, a couple of highlights in regards to this episode. The first one is in regards to volunteers. Uh, Jasmine shares some really good insight in regards to understanding volunteers and how that works for her. And hopefully it will help you if you're in the um, you know, church setting and, and understanding volunteers. The other thing we talk about is women in leadership. And this is something that she's she shares personal experience and uh, I, I found it very uh, insightful. And lastly, uh, she talks about scripture, scripture Union and the origins of Scripture Union. And um, yeah, it was really insightful, really helpful. Uh, I didn't know too much about it, but you know, Jasmine shares a little bit about that. I really do hope that you enjoy this episode. And uh, if you do like it, please, please, please remember to share it with others. Enjoy. Welcome, Jasmine. Welcome to, uh, to the pod. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for having me, Lucio. It's a privilege. Uh, no worries. We've been talking about this for for months and months, and just uh, yeah, our dates haven't aligned. But finally, they have, which is which is great, and I'm excited. Um, now I've known you for I don't know two years, maybe more two years, because when did we finish Arrow last last year? Yeah, we finished last last August. Yeah, last August. Yeah, that's about right. And we did it for two years. We did it during COVID. Yeah, so you've got three years now. Yeah, three years then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and uh, that, that was an interesting time during COVID, doing Arrow and meeting. Uh, yeah, that, that was good. But Arrow was good. I enjoyed Arrow. Um, yeah, uh, highlight of my life. That was a yeah. fantastic experience. I recommend it to everybody. Are your sisters now doing Arrow? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so my sister's doing Arrow now. She's coming up to a... Last res, I think, and yep. uh, my housemate's doing Arrow Rise. Oh no She's way! Still there yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Kath must be super happy, you know, getting the people in. But uh, it's a great course. Arrow is very, very good, and has helped us. Um, yeah, Jasmine, look, tell us a little bit about yourself in regards to work and church and whatever else you want to add. To be honest, so uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah, sure. So. Um, I'm a regional coordinator for Scripture Union New South Wales. I'm in my fourth year of doing that. Um, I've been, yeah, it's been that's been a real journey. Uh, I was I came into the movement through being a volunteer, and um, eventually, eventually was offered a position to yeah take care of the the Hunter region. And um, yeah, that's yeah that's been a journey. We'll probably dig into that a bit later. But I'm also uh, it's also been a year that I've been an elder at my church. I go to Maitland Baptist Church, and they're a really solid crew. So, um, yeah, it's a real privilege. That's pretty much the the work side of things, I guess. And so, church wise, you say you go to Maitland Baptist. Is that right? Yes, that's how, right. How long have you been there for? Uh, yeah, I've been trying to remember this. Actually, I think it's I think it's probably coming up around nine years. All right. Okay. Yeah. And so you grew up, um, or oh, it's not Maitland, but did you grow up Baptist or did you go to different churches growing up? Or yeah. Uh well that that's that's an interesting story too. Um so my mum was saved at a Louis Palau crusade oh, with yeah. her mum when she was about 17. And so uh they were they bounced around a few churches for a while and then mm. started going to an ACC church in Singleton. Um, but when my mum and dad got married, my dad was a Christian. 
but he wasn't really walking with the Lord at that point and wasn't mm. going to church. And uh, my mum was going to church with her first three kids. And then one day she really believed that God told her, go home and be with your husband. And so she went home and stopped going to church. And she got a lot of flack from that from a lot of mm, people. I'm sure. But um, we we did church at home. We did devotions. Mum read the Bible to us, taught us how to read the Bible. We'd do worship, uh, listen to lots of Keith Green and Amy Grant. Um, and we didn't start going back to church until I was about 14. So it was wow. the majority, majority of my childhood. Um, and when I was 14, my mum got really sick. Um, we didn't know what it was. And uh, that was when my dad, I think, started to really lean on God and reach out and started start looking for him because mm. it was something we couldn't fix. And so we ended up going back to the church that had changed hands a few times, mm-hmm. but ended up going back to the church that my mum started at when I was about 15 or 16. Yeah, right. Um, and about eight or nine years ago, moved to moved to Maitland Baptist. Yeah, cool. And uh, you were telling me before as well, like it's been about a year since you've become an elder at your your church. How's right. um, yeah? How's that experience been? It's actually been a real joy. I I really enjoy journeying with people and and walking with people and supporting them in their in their walk and um, praying for them and pastoral care kind of stuff. That's real. That's a real passionate passion area of mine. So uh, it's been challenging. It's a it's a big church and it's connected to a a, a pretty big ush that's got multiple centers around Maitland. Oh, wow. So. Uh, it's not. It's not probably just the church side of things. There is a there is mm. a business element there that um, I feel a bit out of my depth on sometimes. But I also feel like I'm learning a lot because we've got some really wise people in our leadership. So it's really it's really exciting time. We're looking for a couple of new roles at the moment, and so that's going to be in another transition. But yep. God's led us faithfully this far, and I'm sure He won't let us down. Yeah. In this process. That's sweet. And so how did how did that come about? Because. Um... I don't know, it's not, I don't know, maybe, maybe you had a desire to become an elder, um, but did someone ask you, were they, you know, during the church service, they're like, oh, who wants to become an elder? Put your hand up. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, how did that come about for you? Well, um, COVID, COVID was a tough time for everybody. Mm. Uh, it was a particularly tough time on a couple of our elders and our, um, our pastor at the time. They stayed a lot longer than, than was probably best for them. And so there was going to be a, a quite a distinct hole in the leadership structure of our church once they uh, once they finished up. And so the time for nominations was coming around. And like it, it, is, it is a bit of a wrestle. I think it's still a bit of a question as to, you know, um, women in roles of leadership. And that mm. can sometimes just have a bit of a question mark around it. But I just had a real heart for sitting with people and loving them and walking with them and praying for them. And I felt like I was doing a lot of that already. I was mentoring a lot of the youth. Um, I was running the young adults Bible study at that point. And I actually just had multiple people that didn't know that each other were doing it come up to me and go, hey, have you thought about being becoming an elder? Have you thought about putting your name forward as an elder? I think I probably had three or four people actually put my name forward. Uh, and it just, I just felt like it was the door that God was opening in, in front of me and it was him affirming what I was already doing. Um, and I really appreciate the leadership structure of our church and that it's a co-equal pastoring model where um, there's there's no there's no one senior pastor. It makes decision making really interesting, mm. but um, it it makes it so that you're not the you don't have the final say. And I, I like being someone that can just soundboard for people and go, well, have you thought of this or is you know maybe this could be a good idea. So it just felt like the next door to That's to true. walk through, honestly. And the confirmation of 
the the people that I love and um and being asked I think is is a good indicator that that maybe that's something that God wants you to seriously consider and mm. so yeah he wow I do want to touch upon um you mentioned before women in leadership and now that's been a struggle um a year on is it still a struggle what are your views have people come up to you and said oh should you I know you said people have um put your name for it but did you have yeah. people from the opposite end say no I don't think you should or I, I don't or did you hear whispers or yeah how's that been no no whispers I think uh by and large like every every church is you know got it got its issues but by mm-hmm. and large we're fairly we have fairly open dialogue at our church oh, and good. so somebody that I really respect said look I didn't vote for you um I just don't know how I feel about women mm. in leadership and I could be good conscience I'm like thank you for telling me mm. like I really I really empathize and it resonates the wrestle because mm. you know it's a it's a hot topic and uh I've come from a lot of conservative circles and have talked with a lot of conservative people and have mm. conservative friends and so I feel like I kind of sit in the middle a little bit on that issue where if someone came to me and said you know, you shouldn't be an elder because you're a woman. I'd be like, you know, you might be right. <laughs> you know, there is part of me that would just empathize with that mm. that statement because there is a there is a lot of Bible there. And yes, there's lots of context there as well that's mm. really important to drill down and know why you know it. But um I, I guess I just I resonate with the the traditional argument to the point that it wouldn't it wouldn't offend me if somebody said that they didn't think I was meant to be here. But I also feel like I have a lot of confirmation mm. from a lot of other scriptures in the Bible and a lot of people that I respect. And I think there's a real difference between um, being asked by a leadership to step into a role that they think you're suited to and being a woman who feels like maybe you have a right to everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah, I think there's, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I think that there's a difference between uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should mm-hmm. and actually the calling that God play, the the part that the calling of God plays in that, mm. and if God's calling you to that, um, who who are we to say no? Mm. Exactly. So, is there something that um, I'm just thinking of of my personal ministry and, and others? Because, like you said, some churches are a little bit more conservative than than others, and that's fine. Um, mm. But you're in a role, and what, what would you say to? Um, to male pastors or male leaders in regards to your being a, a, a leader, a female leader, because really we should probably just see you as you're a leader, you're an elder, not, oh, you're a female leader, an elder. But like, yeah, what's that experience point. like? Because sometimes, even for me, um, not so much in leadership, but in other roles, I, I kind of think, oh, yeah, it is different, you know, in regards to women. Like they, they you know, you guys respond different, you see things differently. And so, yeah, is there anything that you want to share, you know, for those like, all right, yeah, you know, being a female leader, this, 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 this is what you should probably look out for. Um, obviously, this is all from your experience, but I would love to know. Yeah, that's a, gosh, that's a really good question. I think the the relational aspect, I think, and just like, I don't want to speak on behalf of all women because I hate mm. when other women do that. Way. But from my experience, I think the desire to really please people and to serve well and to um, honor, honor authority is really strong in me. And so it can be very easy for me to keep my voice quiet or not speak right. up at times because I don't want to rock the boat. And mm. I think, I think there is a, a level of, a level of data that confirms that, you know, women are more agreeable and they want to, mm. they want to um, go along to get along in a lot of cases. 
Um, I come from a family that are very outspoken and my family culture is if there's a problem, you talk about it. Mm. So I'm probably blessed in that regard that it's, you know, I come from, and my experience with, with men and working with men has all been very, very positive. And so there are actually a lot of struggles that some women in leadership talk about that I can't relate to because mm. I have an incredible father. I have great brothers. Um, and the and the leadership team that I'm working with for a while was just myself and I think it was three or four other men and I I felt completely at ease because I, awesome. I trusted them and they were wise and um, and I felt like I had a voice so I recognize that I've been really blessed in my situation but I do think that it's important to recognize that you know women are emotional they will get mm. vest, have vested interest in some things that that may cloud their judgment um, and that they they might not always. I think that's why God made both of us, right? I think it's a it's a really good model to have a, a woman's voice in a space and and a, and, a, and a man's perspective in a space at mm. the same time because you can't you can't see all sides of the diamond. You've got to have a bit of right. a different here and there to be able to serve everyone well. Uh, and that's that's where I find I find that I probably get a little bit. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. If it's a really um, if it's women heavy driven leadership. If it's a if it's to serve both men and women, you know, if it's mm. a women's Bible study or a women's organization, that's a different yeah, story. It's different, yeah, but yeah. I, I do sometimes, and I and I have had an experience um, with a woman in leadership that left me uh, quite scarred in a very uh, negative way. I felt very manipulated and very gaslit by this person, and so I actually have more scars from women leadership than right. I do from men leadership. So I'm a little bit of a square peg in a round hole when it comes yeah, to yeah. Okay. the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, fair enough. Thank you, thank you for sharing. I think that's that's always important. And um, yeah, I think I think to be honest, vice versa. Like, I think it's important for for men to, um, you know, make sure that we 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 are um, what's that word? Um, you know, encourage the women, especially women leaders, to speak up and you know be comfortable. And you know, if they need mm. to say something, say something. But also for for women, like I know there's some organizations and leadership teams that maybe it's, it's majority women, and you know they kind of forget about the men. But you know, it goes kind of goes both ways. Yeah, yep. So I it's agree. yeah, really important. And um, yeah, hopefully it's um, also we can't change every single church or leadership team. But you know, my 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 advice, sorry, and uh, kind of you said it before, but more in the context of your family's communication. You know, talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, yeah, because that's when people feel more comfortable and they can share stuff and and even disagreement. Like there's there's nothing wrong to disagree with one another. And as men and women, we will disagree in some stuff, but as long as we do it in a healthy manner. Um, that's right. Yeah, that's important. Um. In regards to SU, you mentioned before work for Scripture Union. Um, yeah, how long have you been working for them, and uh, what what's Scripture Union all about? Like, we're not, um, you know, Scripture Union aren't paying for this, right? So I'm not trying to plug them, but like, <laughs> tell me more about them because uh, I don't know much. You know, I've heard of them, yeah, but yeah. So if you can fill, fill me in, that'd be great. Absolutely, yeah. Scripture Union has a great story. It uh, it began over 150 years ago uh, in a little town in Wales where a man named Josias was overcome with a love for sharing the gospel and a love for God. And he walked down to this beach one day and he saw all these kids on the beach. Mm. And he was just like, these kids need to know about Jesus. He's like, how can I bring the gospel to these kids? And so he walked down to the beach and he got a stick and he wrote, God is love on the beach. And he invited all the kids over to come and like decorate it with seaweed and shells and rocks and stuff. And after he had this whole group of kids gathered around him, he ended up telling them stories about Jesus and the gospel and how loved they were by God. And that was right. the beginning 
of the very first beach mission. Oh, and uh, right. it was a movement that uh, it was radical at the time, Alicio, because uh, kids were in that culture of, you know, you're better off being seen and not heard. Mm. You know, kids didn't have a lot of like, you know, people <laughs> love their kids, but they didn't have the same level of, of value as, you know, people worth investing in or, um, you know, they were just meant to show up at church and not engage. They had to be, you know, it was about their politeness. And so to actually take the gospel, something that was kind of almost high churchy and and translate it into something that children could understand was like a radical yeah, wow. move back then. And kids just flocked to the gospel. And they had things they like they, they brought in like the puppet shows and they brought in the, the storytelling and the costumes and they acted out the gospel and they were, you know, booking out halls for kids to just come. They started in living rooms and then it was halls and then it became, you know, tents on beaches. And it's spread around the world. So, um, yeah, in Australia, we've got, I, I can't count, but I know in New South Wales, we had um, just this summer about 40 missions running mm. on beaches where teams of Christians get together and they get a tent and they go and set it up in a caravan park somewhere and they run kids' programs and they run free tea and coffee and they run that's awesome. you know, chats with parents and stuff. So that's that's where Scripture Union started, and it's fanned out into um, different special interest camps. So mm. you get a, you know, it started probably in schools because they had lunchtime groups in schools because all these Christians kids wanted to continue what they heard at Beach Mission, and so they start these groups in schools where they could get together and encourage one another and pray for one another and, and read the Bible together. Um, and so out of that they started building camps, so sports camps, football camps, ag camps, and now we've got now we've got about, you know, 40, 40 odd different camps across New South Wales. Um and coming up coming up this October, there's gonna be a soccer camp, the first that's soccer sweet. camp that's gonna be running. And it's all around trying to connect to kids through their interest yeah. in order to use it as a vehicle to bring the gospel to them. So kids come for the soccer, but they stay for Jesus. Um, and part of my role in all of that is to enable the volunteers. So it's a volunteer-led movement. We're a small staff, and we support um, nearly 2,000 volunteers across New South Wales and beyond. And uh, part of my job is to, to network, to support, to encourage, to help onboard volunteers and make sure screening processes are all done well. Lots changed from 150 years ago mm. when you can just – on the beach so yeah. um, there's a there's a lot that goes into su supporting the ministry but the the real gold is the heart of the volunteer that sacrifices so much in order to bring gospel yeah. to people you know the question I'll, I'll ask you now is, is probably what you mentioned before in regards to volunteers and i think that will help a lot of a lot of pastors and leaders uh so much of your role is dealing with volunteers is that right yes that's right and so how have you found dealing with volunteers? Like, you know, what are, um, you know, some tips, some some things that, you know, that you've learned along the way? Um, because at least for me, I know that volunteers are crucial. You know, a lot of, especially with church organizations, mm -hmm. you know, 90, or I don't know the exact stat, but, you know, let's say 90, 85% of, of people mm -hmm. who, who volunteer um, or who help out at church are volunteers. So, yeah, maybe just dive in a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's, it's challenging, but maybe... I think different personalities find different aspects of working with volunteers challenging. Mm. Um, I'm always hyper aware of the fact that they don't have to do these things and the fact that they're, they're involved because they want to be and in such a time poor 
society and culture that we live in, the fact that we have volunteers is a real privilege. And I I find that keeping that at the forefront of my mind whenever I'm working with volunteers, even if it's challenging or things are taking time or, um, you know, things are running late and you need to get paperwork in or mm. uh, they, they may not be as, as quick to get things or as quick to, you know, organise stuff or be on top of things as I'd like. Keeping that reality in the forefront of my mind that these are these are complex people that have jobs and families mm. and that this thing that they've had the courage to say yes to and may not feel very equipped to do it and may feel quite inadequate, um, that they don't have to do that. And that's that helps keep the posture of my heart as, as in a place of empathy. And seeing each person as an individual has really helped me to, to lean in and see what are their individual needs because it's very easy to kind of step back and just go, well, you know, everybody's kind of all the same and they've all said yes to this as they should know what it entails. And for somebody that's being paid to do ministry work, I think we we breathe this air and we swim in this water so much that we can, I can unintentionally sometimes put blinders on and not realise that, you know, I'm only seeing a fraction of this person's world as a volunteer. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fraction that they've offered um, without having to, and they're not getting paid for it. And mm-hmm. I think I think empathy and individualization has really served me well in in working with volunteers because at the end of the day, you know, it's it's relationship that really drives the outworking of the the outcome. It's mm-hmm. it's the relationships that actually breed trust. It's the relationships that breed confidence in people. I think about myself in the places that I've found myself as as a really incompetent, um, very inadequate feeling, um, out of my depth volunteer. And I think about the people that came alongside me and didn't just go, (laughs) she doesn't get it or she doesn't know how to do this or, you know, probably shouldn't have picked this girl. Um, They didn't do that. They actually called out the good stuff in me and said, no, you can do this and I will help you do this. and I, th- I think there's something really powerful in personal invitation. You know, we live in a s- culture that's so driven by kind of fame and how many likes you get and, mm-hmm. you know, how many views you've got. Mm-hmm. That's actually a, a real person come to you and say, I see this in you. I'd like you to consider trying this. I think that holds tremendous value instead of potentially en masse, like we need someone to help with the with the barbecue or we need someone mm-hmm. to do this. Um, actually seeing the individual and knowing your yeah, people right. and coming to the being like, you know, hey, I have this job. I think you'd be really good at this job because X, Y, Z. Gee, it does something to your heart, mm. you know. I've, we've all had the experience where someone's chosen us on purpose and doesn't it just make you want to give so much of yourself to that role or that job? No, it doesn't always work, mm-hmm. but find I find that when I always recognise the value and elevate the volunteer above myself, the the fruit of the relationship really out, outweighs the challenges. That's so good. I think you're right. Yeah. I just think I was as you were talking, I was like, yeah, you know, that that makes sense here because making people feel special. Like not 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 in a manipulative way, but you want them to feel right. special. You want them to be like, yeah, we need you. We want you. You know, we think you'll you'll be a good fit. Um so how, how do you, so that's, so you talk about empathy, you talked about, um, you know, really trying and, and finding those, those leaders. How do you, because um, also volunteers don't get paid. So how do you, 
not keep them happy in a sense, but are there things that you do as an organization or even as, as you know, as a person yourself that you're like, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Like, is there anything that that you do or is it pretty much just like, you know, show empathy, make them feel special, make them feel that we really do need them? Does that make sense? Does that my question make sense to you or? Yeah, yep. So kind of like the practical things you can do. Yeah, um, because especially if you think about, um, I'm not sure if this is the same for SU, but you think about church ministry, kids ministry, youth ministry. When we're talking about ministry, we we what? Every at least for the way I take it, every year I lose I lose all my in quotation marks lose all my leaders because I don't want them to think they have to stick it out for five years. But when yeah. I was in youth ministry and stuff, I was really intentional saying, look, guys, you know, if you want to come back to ministry, that's fine. And for me, it's always about the experience, you know, like besides, you know, making them feel special and 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 show them that love and care will be like, all right, well, let's go out for yeah. dinner, you know, halfway through the year, let's celebrate. Like, so I think that's where I'm coming. Like, do you have any of those yeah. things that you implement? Because, yeah, we can't pay them, you know, we'll go bankrupt as an organization <laughs> if we pay all our volunteers. But, like, what do you do to kind of make that volunteer think, you know what, I want to continue on year after year after year? You know, as, you, as you're talking, Alicia, I think the thing that's coming to the forefront of my mind is um, to, to – really drive home the fact you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Now, I, I definitely right, am yeah. on board with like celebrating yeah, what yeah, you've yeah. done and celebrating where you've been and, and the successes. Like you got to celebrate the successes, mm. but it can't be in and of itself just celebrate the success. It has to be uh, we're celebrating this success because of what it contributes to this big picture, this kingdom yeah. coming, this, you know, this thing that God is doing. I think that if people really catch a vision for mm-hmm. why they're doing what they're doing, uh, and that can be something that you can bring people along with you. This is something that mm. um, I'm trying to work more into my work practices of who can I bring? Who can mm. I bring along with me on the journey? So it's not just a, you know, I, I want these five people to commit for the next 10 years, but rather mm. who are they continue, continuing to bring along and develop so that they can step into that space? And I think mm-hmm. you need to experience that vision. You need to experience yeah. why. Like I I sometimes probably annoy my leadership team because they're like, you know, if we say something to the effect of Our kids' ministry doesn't have any leaders, I'm like, okay, why are we doing kids' ministry? That obviously there's something not there's not something really wrong with the fact nobody's volunteering it's just that they don't see why they should Mm. is is it valuable so like is as a church actually stopping and taking taking stock do we value this ministry or do we value Mm. having our kids with us that the why and the purpose often drives whether or not people are going to get on that bus or not because they want to go where it's going and so for example during during mission earlier this year i was going to it's it you know covid was over all the missions were on and I was like, I have had two and a half years of just watching from a distance missions. I'm getting as much mission as possible. So I was on the road for four weeks and I hit about five missions and there was basically no gap in between. Like I train wrecked by the time I was done, but my heart was full. (laughs) Um, But I invited two people that had never experienced SU and never experienced mission before. I said, I'm going on this trip. I was really prayerful and intentional. I'm going on this trip. Do you want to get in the car and come with me? I can't really explain to you what you're going to see and what you're going to be involved, but if you have willing hands and hearts, you're going to get changed. And they, That's by awesome. some miracle, they said yes. And I took yeah. them with me. Yeah. And but for I, the whole four life, weeks. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. So one of them, one of them was there for three weeks, and one of them was there for the four weeks. So one came a bit later. But you know, it changed them. It did, it did something. They got it. They got the vision. And in one mission in particular, 
I could just tell that God had solidified, no, come hell or high water, they were going to come back to that mission because God got them right in the heart whilst yeah. they were there. And so, you know, purpose, why are we doing this? Yeah. We can paint that picture of why it's so important and then come along with us, see it, try mm. it, experience it. You mm. know, you won't want to give it up once you realise the value that you bring by by the personal invitation and the personal skills and gifts you know that personal invitation of choosing that person to be there. Um, mm. I think I think those are some pretty key factors as to awesome. retaining volunteers and and raising up new ones. We don't, like you said, you don't want to flog someone for five years if that's not where yeah. they're meant to be and that's yeah. what they're passionate about. So who can you and, bring? And that's that's awesome. That's lo- I love that because um, yeah, as much as you know, it is about you know you want them to be part of that mission. Is like you said discipleship and raising new leaders like because we know especially with volunteers they're not going to be there long term mm. you know i think it's mm. foolish of us as leaders thinking that oh yeah this person his community he'll be here for the next five ten years like well no you don't know what's going to happen and so no. um and, and and that brings a challenge as well raising leaders you know and yeah. um what, what 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 do you guys do in regards to that in regards to um raising leaders like do you go with these new people like you mentioned before if you have someone you think okay this person could you know become a leader one day you bring them along you train them but is there like a a, a leadership pipeline training pipeline that you guys have or is it more unofficial you know you know just come with me and we'll just talk about ministry and then yeah so what do you guys do Unofficial. I, I would say it's probably okay. unofficial because, again, yep. it depends on the individual. You know, yep. if you've got a 50-year-old guy that's kind of getting close to retirement and has has time and money and, and wants to do something meaningful with the last years of his life, the, the entry point for him is going to be really different for yeah. a 15-year-old. It's just coming yep. out of school and start to think about their future. So, you know, there's there's a million practical ways you can empower anybody at, mm. at any point on in their leadership journey. And that's what I really love about SU is that there's mm. such a swath of just opportunity for you to enter at any point. For me, it was when I was, you know, in my 20s. For my dad, it was around a special interest. He, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't sure what he thought and didn't know if his gifting, you know, would would God could use his gifting. And he's a mad keen fisherman. And so wow. I, I knew that if I could get him somehow on a fishing camp, God would change his heart. And it did. It was miraculous what, what God had done in him. And now he's directing two fishing wow. camps. And seeing the way that God can use his gifting and his strength in a really practical but still spiritual way for young people, whereas there's there's young people that are coming out of leadership conference that have come year after year that are looking for more opportunity, like, what does God want me to do? And we're like, well, come along to this mission, come along mm-hmm. to this camp, step up, step up your leadership skills, take on more responsibility. And so there's that pipeline through leadership conference or camps that that flow into the wider SU family where their responsibilities can be cranked up to challenge them at where they're at. So it's it's very individual and it takes mm. discerning people to actually highlight the people that go, I think that person's ready mm. to take a next step or I think that that person could really um, take on some more responsibility in that area. So good. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm smiling. Obviously, people can't see it because this is an audio podcast, but I'm smiling because I could just see your passion oozing out, Jasmine. Like, it's just, you know, and obviously the, your role that you have now sounds like it's a perfect fit for you. And I'm sure you're such a blessing to um, your team and to Scripture Union. Um, but, yeah, those, those things are really valuable, what you've just said over the last 10 minutes or so. And uh, I joked around with you before saying, look, I don't think we're going to go through much of or any of what we spoke about before uh, because I did. Too. Like I was re- I am really interested about leadership and women leadership. Mm. And, you know, um, 
uh, volunteers and scriptures. So look, it's been a pleasure. Honestly, it's been a real pleasure um, talking to you, Jasmine. And uh, I'm sorry that I made you answer those questions that we did not even dive into, <laughs> but I felt like this is probably more valuable. Um, but yeah, look, thank you so much. I Actually, look, what, what I will do is the last question I did ask you, and I think this is going to be really, really important, was that one, what's, what is one piece of advice you would give to others about ministry? And so, uh, yeah, what's your advice? Yeah, my my one piece of advice from experience is to to stay close to God and listen to your gut. Those two, you can't you can't split those two. Mm. Um, I've been in situations where I just get this niggle of like, eh, I don't know how I feel about putting that person in that role. And I I guarantee you, even if if people listening just reflect back on their lives where they felt that oh, I don't know about that, and they went and did it anyway. Anyway, I guarantee that they that first initial gut reaction to something was probably correct. I reckon that, you know, God, when you're close to God and you're spending time in his word, you can hear his voice. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. And that voice is so often that still quiet niggle in the bottom of your heart or in the bottom of your gut somewhere that something's not right. And we ignore that voice to our peril. And sometimes it makes no sense. Like there's no reason why anything should be wrong. Like everybody else is on board and it all looks perfect and the paperwork's all lined up and that person is just going to be the best fit, but there's something you cannot define that's just not quite right. I would just encourage people listening, please listen to that voice. God knows more than we know. Uh and he can be trusted. And sometimes we're going to wade through a mountain of well, what the heck and why and I don't understand. But there will often be a point where we come out on the other side and go, ah, oh, God knew, God knew all along. And I was, I would have been right to listen to him, or I was right to listen to him. I think there's safety. There's safety in obeying the voice of God, even when it doesn't make sense. That's awesome. That's some real wisdom there. And um, yeah. It's important to listen to the gut. And but like like you said, but before listening to your gut, it is important to obviously having that relation with God because you know, if we are faithful to God in regards to you know searching him, he'll be faithful to us. And uh that that gut feeling as we spoke about will be a little bit uh clearer. And yeah. Desmond, thank you so much for joining us on uh today's episode. And uh hopefully it was it's been a good time. I hopefully you enjoyed it. It's been fantastic, Alicia. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. All right. Well, that's the episode. That's the episode with with Jasmine. And uh, oh man, that that was helpful. Like I think, you know, lots and lots of things there. Um, you know, thinking of women in leadership, thinking of of SU and 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 you know what what God does. You know, the fact that 150 years ago, some guy, you know, wrote God, Jesus loves you, or God loves you on on the sand, and and we can see it today, where you know SU is now all around the world and doing amazing things for God. Um, but for me personally, I think the theme of volunteers really struck home. Uh, it's just, yeah, she has some really good, um, yeah, just some really, really good information, some really good tips in regards to volunteers and, um, you know, showing empathy um, is really important. Understanding that volunteers are special, like, you know, they have their, you know, their full-time job or part-time job, you know, maybe their mum and dad are lost at home, mum and dad, maybe they're uni, like they're doing all this extra stuff. And then they decide, you know what, I'm going to give time um, to a ministry or multiple ministries. I know for my church that happens as well. And so we, we need to remember that, you know, we need to remember they're giving up their time and, um yeah, understanding their needs, understanding where they're coming from, 
Uh, building that trust and confidence, I think, really, really important. But I think right at the end, Jasmine says something really um, special, really important is, um, yeah, if we want volunteers to keep on serving, to keep having that hunger and love, you know, there's all those different factors, okay? And I get that. But what she said at the end was, to remind them that they're part of something bigger. I think that's really important. To remind them that they're not just doing this just to fill in the gap. They're doing this because of God. They're doing this, you know, to be kingdom-minded. They're doing this to to tell others about Jesus, and they're doing their part. I think that's really important. Uh, that as as staff or people leading volunteers, that we need to remember that, and hopefully we can. Uh, communicate that properly. That we may remind our volunteers, remind people, hey. I know you're doing this and you might think, oh, it's only youth ministry, it's only worship ministry, it's only kids ministry or whatever it is. But no, 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 it's not only. It's, you know, something really important that God values and um, the fact that you're volunteering your time helps us share the gospel, tell others about Jesus, show love to the community. And I think that's really, really important. Uh, Once again, uh, feel free to share it with others. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. And I'll catch you all next time.